yes, friends. It is the one giant podcast, of course, where you know we are your host over here, Adam Armbrecht, breaking down the Brooklyn Nets and the Locked On Nets podcast. And yonder there is the season generational ticket holder, the healthy, wealthy, and wise, the well-rested, Mr. Andrew Mankiewicz. Adam, this episode is not about me. It's not. It's about a happy belated birthday to my co-host, Adam Armbrecht, over the Thanksgiving break. Although the Giants didn't get you the win that you would have liked for your birthday weekend, I'm sure that you still had a great time. You better believe it, man. Um, we don't need to divulge who's getting older around here. Um, but it was nice, nice and relaxing. Got to see some family, got to spend some time, obviously, with uh, my significant other. And as we refer to affectionately on the podcast, live in love or Courtney. We had ourselves a nice little quiet weekend. Thank you very much, sir, for that. I'm getting emotional here, getting going to tear up over here on the podcast. I thought I was going to just blast out. Listen, we're coming off a bit of a, a nice little bit of a holiday um, for the podcast. We t- we intentionally gave ourselves some time off, and I got to get back into the reps here because I almost just blasted a sneeze clean across this podcast that would have broken the eardrums of fans and viewers alike. Andy, are you ready for this podcast, though? I, because if so- I find that you're sleeping and maybe you don't want to get your, you know, you don't want to quite wake up for it. I'll turn this podcast around. Listen, I will I'm, turn this podcast around and we'll go right back to the start. I am fired up. I am fired up because I think from what I hear, the season starts today, Adam. That's what I keep hearing from people. I've heard it in different circles. And so the podcast starts today, my friend. The podcast starts today. Jesus, we've been wasting a lot of our time then this season so far. That's what Brian Dable said. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in the episode. First and foremost, just a few brief minutes. As we said, we didn't come in after. We're enjoying time with our family. That was the uh, the intention, the point, and we chose to do that for the Thanksgiving Day game. Just from a high level, Andy, were you disappointed in Thursday night? Were you disappointed in the fact that the Giants lost? It, it, we knew they were decimated by injuries. We know it was going to be a tough game no matter what. Coming out of that game, did you feel any differently about this team per se? Did you have any big takeaways? So I can't, you know, going into it, my prediction was that the Cowboys would win 27 to 10. It was 28-13 with about a minute or two to go. So like it was kind of in the realm where I thought the game would would get a little bit out of reach in the third quarter, was kind of my my sentiment up there. Listen, it felt like a game that the Cowboys almost coughed up to the Giants. Like it felt like there was an opportunity maybe midway through the game into the third quarter where the Giants Winning had a chance. Halftime. To... Yeah. Like right winning around the game in... at halftime, Andrew. Thir... Well, I'm saying 13, 13 to seven, obviously yep. we're winning, but I'm saying into the third quarter, you're thinking we have a legitimate chance. Sometimes when you're up a field goal, you're like, it's just a matter of time here. It felt like the Giants had a legitimate opportunity. There were a couple plays that didn't go their way. Obviously the ludicrous, um, illegal man downfield on the 24 yard touchdown Stung. pass to I- Isaiah Hodgins. Like how on earth do you call that? The guy is literally blocking his man and the other guy backs up and he's like, well, I was just engaged here and now you're gone. Like, what am I supposed to do? That would have been a huge one on second and 17 for the giants to get up early with a touchdown and said, they have to settle for a field goal game could have been, you know, 16, seven, it could have been higher up. If the giants were able to take advantage of some of those bigger mistakes and turnovers that plagued the Cowboys early on in the game. Yeah, and we're going to talk a high level here as we look forward. But just specifically on this game, man, you know, I, I called for the Giants to win. I was going for the feel-good story on Thanksgiving, right? Um, and, hey, listen, recover, recover an onside kick maybe gets really spicy at the end there. But ultimately, what I said coming into this game and reflecting on some of the matchups the Giants have going forward, you look inside the box score, man. Ezekiel Elliott, 16 for 92. 
Pollard, 18 for 60 in this one. Go inside the receiving numbers. Lamb, 6 for 106. 5 for 63 for Gallup, right? Ferguson chips in. And then Schultz, who actually, I didn't, we didn't even talk about it leading up to this one. He has been a bit of a, he's kind of like the new Jason Witten for the Dallas Cowboys when it comes to playing the Giants. Four catches, 31 yards, two touchdowns. The point being here is these are the things that I've been worried about for this team from week one all the way up to this point. I said it coming into this game, said it really throughout this season. Wait until you play competent, healthy quarterbacks that have a complement of weapons at both the running back and the wide receiver room. Saw it in the first meeting when they lost. You saw it again in this one. This is, I think, what could be alarming for the New York football Giants going forward because you're going to face a lot of kind of models like this, and I think it's just going to expose the Giants fan base to the reality. Played a lot of good football, been very competitive, been very well coached, and also the talent level it, it, you just see the disparity and you see where these matchups are going to really hurt the Giants. Yeah, and you, you see it on the outside for the Giants in the wide receiver room. It's really hard for them to get separation. Um, you, you see it that one of the lowest separation rates in the league outside Darius Slayton. Like he's the only one that seems to be able to get open with any relative consistency. Richie you James know, was, right back on track in this one, by the way. Uh, he he had to pop in, you know. Well, it, it goes to show that the that the scheme is very like you know plug and play. It's just if you get more elite talent in those spots, they can do more. They can make more happen. They can make electric plays happen. Five for forty one. It felt like that's kind of the stat line that Wadnell Robinson lived in when 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 healthy. You know, listen, this was not a great game for Saquon Barkley. It feels like since the bye week, he has really struggled to get things going. Now, is it the offensive line? Is it that, uh, you know, teams are, are just stacking the box saying you're not going to beat us? People, mm -hmm. there's rumors swirling that maybe he's a little dinged up. Maybe he's a little frustrated about not I'll getting get to the, the contract. Yeah, there, there's, there's a whole host of things that could be causing it. But the Giants aren't going to be winning many football games against a top five defense if Saquon Barkley is going 11 for 39 yards on the ground. Like, they, there's just no way that they can win that game if he's not manufacturing yards to keep time of possession, but also help move the ball down the field. Yeah, and it's one of those things like you go inside and we obviously understand they're missing three-fifths of the starting lineup. They're rotating guys through. Um, it's going to create a little bit of a lack of continuity. We talked coming into this one even about Mike Kafka and how creative is he being on the offensive side of the ball? Are you, if, if Saquon, if it's not quite working right now, are you bringing in some other players that can give you opportunities like a Matt Brito, which they did do, by the way, in this game. It's just that, again, this is one of those examples, too, and we're almost moving away from this game now. Something else that I've talked about with this team um, over the course of the season. Again, this is a Daniel Jones, 228-21-35, comes out with a 61.7 QBR, only took three sacks in this game, had a touchdown. Um, Breed, uh, sorry, I said Breed, I meant Brightwell ends up spelling Saquon a little bit, 5 for 31. Maybe you lean into that a little bit more, right? Maybe you try to just use the other players here and get rotational. Only 11 carries in this game for Saquon Barkley, but... It's just the theme here, right? When the game gets to a point where it's more about the passing attack than the running attack, the Giants don't have the ability right now, whether personnel, skill set, talent, et cetera, to be able to take over a game and go from 13-7 to 20-7 to 20-10 to, to 26 to, you know, you just they can't keep pushing that margin. There's always something that kind of holds them back a little bit. And I think as we look forward over the course of the rest of this season, it's going to be the theme because you're going to mention now as we get into the injury updates around this roster and hopefully what makes Giants fans feel a little bit more confident. But I don't know if health is enough here. It still comes down to even at the full strength health of this team, 
You're talking about playing a very different slate of teams here over the back half of the season, all of which, a lot of which, have playoff implications for us and for the teams we're going against. Well, we mentioned in the lead-up to the Cowboys game on Thanksgiving that a lot of the players were very close to being able to come back at them. They yeah. were they were a couple days away, and you know what, what the coaching staff and the training st- staff thought was if it was a Sunday game, maybe they could have played, maybe they could have given it a shot. We kind of suggested, uh, you know, the Cowboys game, you, you can't have any losses on the schedule where you just kind of write it off. But at the same time, you kind of look and say, the games moving forward are critical to have these players back and healthy. If we sit them for the Thanksgiving game, then they get another almost 10 days off to get healthy. And if they're that close, then all of a sudden we can get them back out there ready to go. Yeah. And I agree with that. And also like the fully honest statement is we're not good enough to beat the Dallas Cowboys. So we're not going to risk some of the players that aren't ready to come back. And I'm not even saying that negatively. We're not good enough to beat them. And you can go back and look at that game and to your point say, well, they were winning. It could have been whatever. Like just bottom line, because you're in the division. And when you go back and you look at that, it wasn't a must win game. And we talked about that going into, but you lost that game and Dallas moves into position number two in the division. They elevate themselves in that wild card, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. And now the real pressure, oh, the season all begins now with the Washington commanders, right? But if you had gone out and won the game against Dallas, you'd already be in a better spot. You would have split the season series. Now, the remainder of the season really would have come down to who plays better down the stretch, Dallas or New York. That's a first wild card spot versus a third wild card spot. So I, I do think there's a little bit of, you know, let's go ahead and just frame this in a way where the fact that we, you know, we didn't think we were going to have a chance to beat the Cowboys. That doesn't really matter. It does. It's just that this is where the Giants are right now, and it sets up for a very important game this week and going forward. But let's stay on those injuries here and why maybe the Giants have a better shot. Yeah, so the the injury report, and this comes from Jordan Renan, just clearly stating this out. And he came out with a tweet yesterday that basically just said, it's entirely possible the Giants get seven players back for this hey. big game versus the Commanders. And here, I'm going to list these names to you, and I, I, I'll, I'll pose a question afterwards. All right. Guard. Ben Bredesen, right tackle, Evan Neal, center, John Feliciano, tight end, Daniel Bellinger, outside linebacker slash edge rusher, Aziz Ojolari, cornerback, Fabian Moreau, safety, Tony Jefferson, all have a legitimate chance to play in this game against the commanders. Those seven players, does, are, are, does that hearing that encourage you? We know that some of them were close. Do you feel more confident in the Giants' abilities if, you, if you're getting – seven potential starters back across the 22 that, that start in the game? Oh, of course. I mean, listen, of course. We've talked about whether or not, you know, is Bredesen the answer, not the answer. He's played far better this season than we thought he was going to coming into the year, certainly. The Evan Neal one, that really matters to me, obviously. Um, now, he now he's a funny one because long-term, we love him. Short-term, we know that it's still a process for him. So, you know, it, it's funny to think about Phillips has been playing out there and been serviceable, right? Some of the other guys that have stepped in now, when you get to the point when you're starting Matt Pert, we know we have some concerns. Um, so, yes, it obviously elevates it. The Aziz Ojolari one, I think, is the most critical o- o- across this right now because we're seeing Kayvon Thibodeau get closer. He's almost getting home. It reminds me of talking about Leonard Williams two seasons ago when you and I were trying to convince Giants fans, listen, pressures matter. It's not just about the sacks, right? There's more happening here than just that one statistical category. And by and large, everyone is leaning into that with Thibodeau saying, hey, he has the most pressures among all rookies this season. He's just not getting home yet, but once he does, watch out. I don't know if it's going to be Thibodeau, 
But if it can be Aziz Ojolari that gets home because of how good Thibodeau is, is coming on here, that's great too. That's getting pressure. That's getting home. The only concern I have as far as does it elevate my belief in what this team can accomplish is that we have had stretches where Thibodeau and Ojolari have been healthy and Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence. And the defense hasn't fully got there. And that's when you get to that secondary and Moreau and, and whether or not you think this defense in the absence of Xavier McKinney can force those turnovers, right? That was the big one too. Last couple of weeks, not getting the big turnovers when you really needed them in the big spot. So I still think, yes, it, it, it elevates my belief this team can go out and win games. But as, I, as we said all along, it's one possession games all year. So this is about whether or not you can get that one key turnover when you need it. Like, it's very rare that you can legitimately point to one play in every game. But I think you really could with the Giants sometimes and say, just off the hands of a defensive lineman, could have been an interception. Okay, could have been a fumble recovery, but it gets back to the offensive team. Those little moments really do dictate the way these games go for Big Blue. It feels like this boost and in influx of players is coming at the most critical time for the Giants. Of course. You have... You have the Detroit Lions. You've got the bye week. You got the Thanksgiving game. The Giants have lost, you know, three out of four four games. They're kind of in a little bit of a tailspin. They need talent out there because it feels like, you know, a lot of these games that they have lost recently, it's because they were the less talented team on the field. And yeah. and that that it, when you start out in that position, you have to overcome a lot of obstacles in order to not only be competitive but have a shot to win the game. And so when when you think about who's coming back. When you talk about Bredesen, Neal, Feliciano, Bellinger, I won't go through the whole list. But of those seven, six are legitimate starters on this team. Six of 22 guys are actual starters on, on the team. So when you think about it, that's over 25% of the starting roster comes back. And Adam, that in and of itself would be huge to get over 25% of your starting roster back. But it also means that the depth that you have and the ability to scheme and move players around becomes better because with Bredesen there, then you're not necessarily relying on a Zudu or Matt Pert on the, on the right tackle or Tyree Phillips. You actually have the ability to kind of see what's going on and scheme for specifically what you need. And I think that's the biggest part is when one hand's behind the back, how are these coordinators supposed to scheme when they don't have the players out there? I, I agree. And also, if Saquon Barkley isn't 100% healthy, if he's laboring a bit here, if it's not just the fact that you're missing guys on the offensive line this past game specifically, guess what? If he if he is not, this is the other part of it, if he's not turning it in every single week with light at light out lights out performances, this team isn't going to win, right? So like that's a, that's another big part of this too. We're now seeing, and this isn't even I'm not this is not Daniel Jones specific here. But when you when you don't have the balance, when you don't have the powerhouse guy in the backfield, when he's not clicking on all cylinders, you're going to lose games more often than not. And and I, I agree with what you're saying. Listen, it's all better. Being healthier is better. But what is the healthiest version of this team compared to the healthiest version of the Washington Commanders? Right. It goes back into this. They have a lot of weapons at wide receiver. They have a lot of different options at running back. The rookie Robinson is coming on now these last couple of games. And you're hearing that Chase Young, he's sniffing around, getting himself back out there on the field. So from a defensive standpoint, they're going to have some weapons there as well. It just, it makes it very, very interesting, man. And I, 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 I'll be fascinated. Honestly, I'm very curious to see how this team comes out because now we are, as you mentioned there, losing three out of the last four games. Listen, you can live with most of them. The Detroit one is certainly disappointing and frustrating. 
Um, but it, it does feel like the team is right on the edge of coming back to the mean here over the course of this entire season. And who knows that you can, you know, prove me wrong. I won't put you in this category of like, then go out and beat Washington. And all of a sudden it starts to go. And you think about these matchups against Philadelphia, et cetera. But I mean, really dude, even hundred percent healthy. Are you brimming with confidence having to play Washington twice, Philly twice, and the Minnesota Vikings over the next several weeks? Well, so let's uh, I would like to take a pause and talk about Saquon Barkley because because you brought up a really good point about him he is the engine that goes we we know that Daniel Jones has been playing better this year than we had seen in previous years but we know this offense runs through Saquon we saw it when they handed him the ball 35 times and you're like NFL running backs don't get the ball 35 times the Giants need him to be productive in order to be successful it sets up everything Adam in the three games were the least three rushing yard games for Saquon Barkley. Mm. The Giants have all lost all of those games. So yeah. when, you, when you think about, like, if he's not going, it ruins everything for the offense. It could be because of limitations with Daniel Jones. It could be because the wide receiving core is injured. It could be because the wide receiving core doesn't have talent. Whatever it is doesn't matter. If Saquon doesn't get going, this team historically – will lose the game. And so that's why it's so important to figure out how to make sure that he's either a healthy or we get him in positions to be successful because he had 39 yards against the Cowboys, 22 yards against the lions and 53 yards against the Seahawks. We lost all three. It's not a recipe for success. The giants can't overcome him not being Saquon Barkley. Yeah. And uh, I'll just go back over to here. Cause actually I want to ask this question, which ties back into a just Mwah chef's kiss performance from the Denver Broncos on Monday night football. We'll get a little bit far afield before we, uh, before we tap into that Brian Dable quote around the season starts now. Um, you know, Daniel Jones, you said losing three out of these last four. Now, again, the talent all matters here, but there's games when it looks good and with or without again, take away. If you're talking about drops where that's very clearly can be a one-to-one correlation, but there's been plenty of games with a wide receiver course functioning, even without great separation. In these last four games, when they've gone one and three, two of his worst QBR ratings have come out of these last four games against Seattle, a 23, against Detroit, a 37.6. And by the way, the 37.6 comes in a game when Daniel Jones throws the ball 44 times, 341 yards, two interceptions. We can we can litigate, you know, one being bad or one's a throwaway, whatever the case may be, but just it's just a, it's a fact, right? They win that game against Houston, 83.7 QBR for Daniel Jones. Interestingly enough, a 61.7 in the loss to Dallas, right? A close game that could have been a little bit closer. When he throws for over 200 yards, the Giants tend to lose those games. When he throws for under 200 yards and uses his legs a little bit more, the Giants tend to win those games. And it all ties back to Saquon Barkley or whoever you have in the backfield. And it, just to, again, since we're coming from a long layover here, coming off of this game, with the Denver Broncos on Monday night where Russell Wilson is what you call a disaster. And you know, the Denver Broncos not only paid him a quarter of a million dollars, but also traded away tons of capital to get him. It does beget that question around like this price point conversation that we've kind of had all year and it's for the off season and we'll see how it shakes out. But while it won't be 40 to $50 million, committing big numbers financially to the quarterback position and having it not work out is a death nail. Arizona's dealing with it right now with Kyler Murray. The Denver Broncos are literally in a worst case scenario, watching a top four pick right now, go to Seattle. This is that global concern. And why I think Joe Shane and the giants, why I've said all along, 
wins and losses be damned, you need to continue the evaluation process of not just Daniel Jones, but of Saquon Barkley and of every key position you might pay money to this offseason. Because if you commit dollars in the wrong place, see ya four years from now when the Giants will be trying to reboot this thing once again. It's just something, you know, from a high level that clicked in my mind here while we're sitting around waiting for the Giants to play more football. Yeah, it's, it, it is an interesting situation at the quarterback position. Obviously, you and I sometimes differ on on our perspective on, on Daniel Jones. And let me just, sorry, let me just really quick say, I'm not, Daniel Jones is having a far better season than Russell Wilson is. Daniel Jones is trending in the upward direction, not plummeting to the bottom of a, of a canyon here. So it's not a one-to-one QB comparison. It's just this idea of, of committing dollars, right? And that that's the only thing here. And there's a world where we're only building closer and closer to saying, you can feel pretty comfortable in whatever that number turns out to be committing it to Daniel Jones. Yeah. And, and, and I think when you see the massive numbers of these big time guys, the Russell Wilson's, the Aaron Rodgers, the Kyler Murray's they're making 40 something plus a year. And when they're not the force multiplier that they need to be, Maybe the team is, is just, just ham strung, right? Like they can't do anything. And I think that's why giant fans in particular have said, if we want to have Daniel Jones, it has to be at more of a reasonable number. It has to be at that $25 million a year type number, maybe not five, six, seven years. Like they gave Russell Wilson just because you can't like, it's so risky to, to sign these quarterbacks to big long-term deals that you have to be really careful with the money. And so, you know, I I think with quarterback play, it, it is interesting. The other thing I will say is, the Giants are going to be in an interesting spot because the fact that they are winning games is going to push them down the draft order. So yep. when you also think about where they're going to be drafting, you know, uh, I think uh, the entertainer on, on Twitter, if you don't follow him, I, I recommend him as a follow. He does a lot of good Giants work. He basically broke it down and was like four out of six, if not five out of six of the top six picks are going to be looking for quarterbacks in this draft. So if the Giants plan on going to get a quarterback, they are going to have to trade a King's ransom for one particular guy. And, and so like depending on how the rest of the season goes. Well, uh, I mean, even uh, right now the giants have seven wins, seven will still put them at the 10th or 11th pick historically. So like if you want to get up into the top three and you want to get past QB needy teams, like you would have to give multiple, multiple first round picks. I mean, look at what the bears, the bears had to give up multiple first round picks just to move up a few spots to get to draft Justin Fields in the back half of the top 15. So like, if you're thinking about the giants having to spend capital, these are the decisions Joe Shane's going to have to make albatross contracts for guys like Kyler Murray. Will it hamstring us for the long term? Do we give up, you know, draft capital for the future? Where is our team positioned starting in 2023? you know, knowing that there's still a few games left to play here. Yeah. And just to, just to, to clarify it, Houston's the number one overall pick, you know, Davis Mills was a nice story. This season hasn't exactly gone according to plan to say, Hey, he can be our guy long-term Chicago feels good. Justin Fields now changing the needle. Certainly in the last handful of games for himself, in spite of the potential injuries here, Rams, which goes to Detroit though. So, you know, Detroit, they, they, they brought in a, they brought in a young QB there behind Jared Goff. Denver goes to Seattle. Seattle could use that pick. Certainly Carolina obviously needs a quarterback. The Eagles aren't going to need it at six, getting it from the saints, but like, but even, even trading out of it, even teams that don't need QBs in the top half of the, of the draft, their top 10 picks of the draft. They're still going to say, we want a ton. If you want to come get it right. Green Bay down the line there, Las Vegas, even at nine could be one of those teams. Right. So it's going to be interesting to see. Which teams say, yes, we're going for a QB or not, and then where it moves from there. The other piece that I want to add into this 
Um, and, oh, and just for clarification, obviously the New York football giants right now are 24th in the draft. They're in the wild card round there. So you're talking about what this is very unfortunate over on Tankathon. Um, they label it as wild card round losers, which is, <laughs> feels rude. Like it, it can't be, it could be wild card round runner up. That'd be nicer. I think. <laughs> But they're on that fringe there. If they fall out of it, you know, to your point, teams that are outside looking in, six and five, Seattle, Chargers, New England, those kind of teams, you know, where they go, what happens with the Colts over these last handful, the Detroit Lions, Pittsburgh, who won uh, their game, obviously. Uh, what happens with them will dictate whether or not if the Giants make the playoffs, that's its own thing. If they don't make it, how high you can potentially rise. The other thing I just want to mention here when we're talking about numbers um, you mentioned it there about Daniel Jones and it's the off season piece. I'm not, again, I, I we, we said, we want to keep this kind of compartmentalized, but the big money that you commit to a Russell Wilson, who's making the second most money in, at the QB position this year, 49 million only behind Aaron Rodgers, And then Kyler Murray is third at 46 Deshaun Watson right behind him there uh, in Cleveland. He's potentially going to play some football. Eventually the, the problem here is though, I'm just going to you know state it plain and the cap always goes up 25 million. That's what Tom Brady makes this year, and he likes to take discounts. When you move up the list from there, it's Ryan Tannenhill making 29 and a half, and he signed that contract a few years ago. It's Matt Ryan making 30 million. He's a veteran. It's 32 million for Carson Wentz. It's 33 and a half for Jared Goff. I just want to paint the picture here that the choice that the Giants have to make, it's not about 20 or 25 million for Daniel Jones. It's going to be about 35 to 40 million for Daniel Jones because that's where the market is. It's just the reality. So if you, you're starting NFL quarterback, and I'm not saying that he, uh, my point is only he might be, if, he, if you think he's a starting NFL quarterback, whether or not he's a championship, take you on a run in the playoffs quarterback, if you just think that he is a functioning NFL starting quarterback, then you got to start living in the world where you're spending 35 to $40 million on him because there's going to be other guys that are going to come up here um eventually 25 2025 is Dak Prescott Kirk Cousins 2024 is making 35 million right now and we've had that conversation around it so all these numbers are going to go up you have to live in the reality that it's not 25 million it's going to be much closer to the floor being 35 million for Daniel Jones and do the Giants want to make that commitment well the last thing I will say just keep in mind we've talked about the transition tag for the Giants that's at sure. 27 million dollars that's still in play for them it's 29 million dollars for the franchise tag if they decide to get a long-term deal done with it, with Saquon Barkley then you can use the franchise tag on Daniel Jones while you figure things out there are a bunch of options in here sure. but I think I think we can all agree right now Daniel Jones is an option for the Giants in 2023 it's all going to come down to price and how they finish the season knowing that they have so many games left that have huge playoff implications. And let's talk about that before we get out the door here. And we know, oh, by the way, I kind of knew it. We had a very strong rundown coming into this episode, <laughs> but we haven't talked since last Wednesday. So it's inevitable that you're going to get a little bit broader and we're going to go a little bit beyond the season, which is something pre-show, we're going to Pre-show, we're like, man, Russell Wilson stinks. Did you watch that game? We're like, whoa, imagine all that money that goes to these quarterbacks. And like, we weren't even going to talk about that. And all of a sudden we're like, well, what about Kyler Murray, Aaron Rodgers? And then clearly it oh, it it always comes back to Daniel Jones. It just always does, no matter how much we want to separate it. But, Adam, this week is a huge, huge game for the New York football giants. They take on the Washington Commanders, who are hot. They're 6-1 in hot. their last seven games. And now, Adam, this has massive playoff implications because the Seattle Seahawks, the Washington Commanders, and the New York Giants, as it sits today, looks like if they play musical chairs going into the postseason, 
one of those teams is going to be without a seat. And this game will go a long way into dictating who is left standing. Of course. Listen, uh, Brian Dable, the season starts now. Now, we also said this in pre-show. I can debate about whether or not that goes against the grain, kind of what he's preached the entire season. It's game to game. It's week to week. It's always an evaluation. Now you're seven and four. Now you know the fan base really wants this team to make the playoffs symbolically in your first year as head coach and Joe Shane's first year as GM. And the season starts now. If you split the season series with Washington coming up over the next several weeks, you're pretty, you feel pretty comfortable needing to circle one more win on the schedule and at worst hold on to the back end of that wild card, third wild card spot. If you lose to Washington, though, then the floodgates start to open up here potentially. And you mentioned Seattle. Seattle this week is going on the road to LA. Guess what? Those LA Rams, they ain't the LA Rams that were winning a championship and hosting Lombardi Trophy last year. Not good, Adam. They've lost five straight. They are not a good team. So if you think that Seattle is capable of winning their game potentially this week and they're in the driver's seat to try to make a push for the playoffs, this game, if you were to lose it, all of a sudden you could tumble back to the last wild card spot holding on there because you lost, as we all know, the head-to-head with the Seattle Seahawks. And then you have to go and look at the schedule and say, where do we go from here playing Philadelphia, albeit at home, early enough down the stretch where Philly still wants to lock up that number one seed, still has the Vikings lurking there a little bit, and then you go on the road to Washington. So, you know, three games from now, and then you'll turn around and play the Vikings in Minnesota, who could still be vying for the number one seed in the first round by the next four weeks here. Every single game, man, lose this one to Washington at home, and all of a sudden it opens up in a pretty dangerous way here for the New York football Giants over the remainder of the season. Yeah, basically if Seattle goes and takes care of the Rams and the Giants falter against the Commanders, all three teams will be 7-5, and five, and the Commanders will have a win over the Giants, and Seattle will have a win. The Giants still have to play the Eagles twice. They have the Commanders again. They have the Vikings, who are, are leading their division It is not an easy road, and that's why this game is so important because if the Giants win this game and can get to 8-4, and you start looking at the rest of the schedule and you're saying, pick off one more. Find me one more where we we can feel safe because we already have one in the pocket against the Commanders. If they win that other Commanders game, they're pretty much in the playoffs at that point. If you get two against the Commanders, you're, you're, you're almost for certain in. If you can sneak one against the Commanders, to your point, hopefully it's this one. Then all of a sudden you look at it and say, are the Colts the team that we think they are? You know, Is Minnesota a team that we can compete against even though they look really good this year? And I hate to say it, that game against the Eagles, the last game of the season, are they still vying for the number one seed or do they have everything wrapped up? It becomes a situation where like, then all of a sudden does Nick Sirianni say, I want to play my players, I want to beat the Giants, I don't want them in the playoffs. There's a lot of paths going on, but it starts with the Giants getting at least one against the Commanders, and you feel like the one at home is the more critical one. Yeah, and I'm just real quick here on that last game of the season against the Philadelphia Eagles. Again, I I love the Giants. I want them to win every game. I want this to be a great season. I want them to make the playoffs. Are we a 1,000% sure that the backups for the Eagles can't beat the starters for the New York football Giants? Because that's a real-world thing, and and that's a real-world thing about really good teams. At the end of the season, they go out, they're going to rest their starters, and then the backups go out and still win that game. Why? Because they're a really good team. When you're a one-star playing for team contracts. the last week of the season, What's that? 
I said, they're also playing for contracts. You're a backup. You want to show up right. and show out. Like, yeah. who's to say that they're not? The Giants have been winning with backups ha for half the season, right? So Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Guys for the Giants have been saying, I can, I'm can. i looking to get paid next year when I go to the free agency market. Real quick, too, um, when you talk about, so just in this playoff picture, Seattle's going to have uh, L.A. Rams now in L.A. They close out their season at home hosting the L.A. Rams, and the other one for them right after L.A. this week is going to be the Carolina Panthers the week after. Then they get San Francisco divisional game, probably really going to matter for San maybe, depending on where they are there. It's going to be locking up the division or staying in a battle there. At Kansas City, and then at home against the New York Jets, who have, at the minimum, have a very strong defensive unit, and who knows, maybe Mike White is the new heir apparent there. So, you know, but they have, in theory three very winnable games on their schedule and that gets them to nine you talk about obviously the new york giants and can they just get themselves to nine wins also when you look at the commanders those two games are going to be critical you can make the case that for both these teams the giants and washington all they care about is beating each other these two games and then getting themselves in a position to at least know they're going to make the playoffs for washington it's going to be the giants a bye week the giants again and this is why it, there's a little it's kind of nice here because they will play at san francisco cleveland with deshaun watson we think and then dallas at home in a game that could still matter for dallas and securing the number one wild card spot potentially so it's like I think both teams are going to end up that way. And the only caveat I'm going to give here, and I know I'm running a little bit long-winded, the other reason why the Giants need this game at home against Washington is because you can spit it any way that you want. That, hey, basically it looks like it all lines up and you can muddle your way to a, a playoff spot and not have to worry about it. I mentioned this in the pre-show. Andy balked at it a little bit, and I think justifiably. Like I think that most fans will say, who cares? This team sucks. Okay. But the Atlanta Falcons are going to play Pittsburgh, the Saints. They're going to have Baltimore, and then they're going to have the Cardinals and Tampa Bay to close out the year. And they're only a five-win team right now. But if you lose against Washington this week and Atlanta wins, one game difference. And now all of a sudden, that tumble-down effect, knowing that you have the Philadelphia Eagles coming up the week after, you lose these next two games. By the way, take everything off the table for this. If you lose four out of five games, it's not a good vibe, especially when you have Brian Dable coming in saying the season starts here. And that's a bold proclamation for him to make, understanding where this schedule is. And in a lot of ways, if you're saying the season starts here, then the end of the season could look like, right, when you said the season started, you lost all but one game. Like, you know, and that's going to really paint a picture for how this offseason goes for the Giants. I believe they're going to get the couple of wins that they need here. It's just... I w in some ways, Andy, I think we may reflect back a few weeks from now and say, I wouldn't have hated if the team was a little bit closer to 500 in the first 11 games and then was staying a little bit more competitive in the last six games because this could be a really bumpy road trying to get there. Adam, at the end of the day, my yeah. friend, do you, let's call your shot right now. Do you think the New York Giants make the playoffs? Oh. Yes. Yeah, I think they do. I think they do. I think the health that you highlighted coming with these injuries, I, I you know, I, I'm not brimming with confidence, but I think they, they can and most likely will win this game against Washington. And that really takes a lot of the pressure off for the last five games of the season. I think they do get there, but I'm not going to be shocked if they're the last wildcard spot as opposed to one of the top.
we we start we started a few weeks back saying, oh, this team is certainly in the playoffs based on on the the schedule. We said they had to get the two most critical games were the Lions and the Texans, and they dropped that Lions game, which that's caused all the difference, all dude. This difference right now. That's the whole point. That one yep. game. If you have that extra win right now, you say split with Washington. Maybe we need one other game somewhere else in the schedule, and you're in the playoffs. At the end Not of the even day, split and get to nine. They would have been in. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the that's the tough part. So, Adam. We have a competitive game coming up against the Commanders. The, the, as Dayball said, the season starts right now. The Giants are underdogs at home against those Washington Commanders. Vegas doesn't respect them. Appar- apparently, nobody respects them right now. So we're back to where we should be. The Giants are underdogs going into these games as opposed to the favorites. And I kind of like it that way, to be honest with you. Right where we want to be, the underdog story that is the New York football Giants. We'll come back in all week long. We'll talk about Washington. We'll continue to update these injuries and make sure they're all going to be playing for the New York football Giants and giving them the best chance. And then we'll look at guys like Taylor Heineke. Hey, the story that just won't go away, the starting quarterback for the Washington Commanders, like we all knew they would be. You get us over on YouTube. Uh, You go ahead and get the podcast wherever you get those needs fulfilled. Continue to like, review, subscribe, comment. Get in on the conversation with us, obviously. We'll be back again next time as Andy Makowitz would want, need, and nay, demand the people know. As always, let's go big blue.